Hello. Hello, Miss Moneypenny. Hi, darling. How are you? I am okay. I'm hanging in there. How are you? Good. I haven't spoken to you for a while. Give me a bit of an update. How's things at your end? Uh, pertaining to your your own health and wealth and happiness. Oh yes, well that's that's a lot. Um, well, without your health, it's rough to have any other any other those that you spoke of. Uh, my health is not very well at the moment. Um, not not doing well. Um, tell, me, uh, because... tell me what's happened if it doesn't upset you. Is it down to the the Lyme or? Um, yeah, it, it's. Um, a situation I, I don't often speak about that and, and but that is the the situation the underlying situation that's currently kicking my ass so but uh you know i kind of passed the time between treatment passed the time on this here stereo and and uh just do you find this, this using stereo helps you in positivity in terms of your mental health oh that's a good question uh, I'm not sure if it helps with my, my mental health. I mean, it really depends on who you talk to. You know, I just, I think you have to be very careful, even on stereo about who you talk to. Yeah, I do. I think you have to be very choosy on all these platforms. But what I have found is it's helped me in terms of a distraction. If mm -hmm. um, I hear other people in a group talking about something that's nothing to do with, my, you know, illness and stuff, I find it really lifts me up, just even to mm -hmm. have talk, people to talk to, living alone. Um, mm -hmm. And I just found I I was uh, booted off uh, another platform um, about five weeks ago, and my depression just shot up. I just took such a dive. It was as though my whole community and all my friends and everybody had been taken from me, and I found it really difficult to handle. Mm. Yeah, I can understand that. I can understand that, especially you know, it's something that you would think of if when you were healthy, right? And then something like this, it's uh, it becomes it can become what you make it really if you're careful about it. But it is it can be a pleasant distraction, and then it can be toxic. You know, it's, it's it can it's, yeah right yeah you know, it goes it, the the, Right. Yes. And the app that you're on, I mean, do you mind? Uh, was it was it something like Clubhouse or something? Oh, or yes. Would... Yeah, yeah, it was Clubhouse. Yeah. No, I don't mm. mind talking about it. Um, only that the people on yeah, the stereo AI system might not like me. But um, yeah, mm. I mean, I'm on Green Room as well, which I think is probably going to become uh, the upper of, of the social audio apps, the Spotify Green Room. Um, oh, it hasn't okay. got a huge amount of people on it now, but I believe it's it's going to become probably one of the better um, apps. So I'd urge anybody to look at that who hasn't yet seen it. Okay. Yeah, I've heard about that. I've heard about that. And then there's Airstream. I've heard about and Discord, Diva. obviously, which is used uh, in a more sort of gaming capacity originally. It's more of a techie thing because it's more about servers. It's a little bit more difficult to handle. It's not quite so user-friendly. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, all in all, I think the discussion that it allows people to have across borders, across boundaries, is very useful. I, I find it useful. Yeah. Okay. And I'll, I'll have to check out Spotify. What I see happening with stereo though, is that 
there's there, it's just less and less people because of the banning and the censorship and I don't know how they kicked you off Clubhouse and but I I do believe was it to do with something talking yeah, about something a controversial a doctor reported myself and another doctor um, because we were taking questions and having a discussion about women that were coming to us and complaining that they were suffering with menstrual irregularities and they were worried about becoming infertile, both because of long COVID and because of post-vaccine adverse events. Mm. And this male doctor came on and basically got very, very uppity and very angry that we were even allowed to mention the possibility that somebody had an adverse event from a vaccine. And I believe she reported us both. Um, mm. And we were both kicked off literally mid-sentence in the middle of a discussion. Oh my God. Yeah, that's happening more and more. Mm. You know, it's too bad. So it's very, I've it's got too some bad. stuff I wanted to talk about today. The headline, Let the Bodies Pile Up, is, well, wow, before, unfortunately, before. a phrase that Boris Johnson, our Prime Minister, used mm. thinking he was not being overheard um, mm. in, well, I suppose, his own residence, but it's also number 10 Downing Street. Um, mm -hmm. and he denied several times he said it, but it was subsequently proved by, or, you know, a lot of people confirmed that they heard it. So mm -hmm. it's just a bit of a, a horrible headline, um, but it is a truthful one. And I wanted to discuss the UK and the impact our experience is having and will have more so, particularly on the United States, um, oh. and ultimately the rest of the world who are now struggling with Delta um, variant, but are looking at the UK and England in particular as a sort of test bed learning center for what they should do. Um, mm. We've got a mm -hmm. message, I'll just grab this first. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. I think this is from somebody I know, JP. Hello. Good evening, Miss Monopelli. Hello, 1984. How are you? Hang in there, JP. Hang in. Thank you for asking. You know, Miss yeah. Miss Moneypenny. Before we get into this, I did want to ask you, how are you doing? Your health? If it's not too personal. Yeah. Um, generally speaking, much improved, uh, which is good. Um, my heart. Uh, report from Oxford when they did another scan my myocarditis is much improved my problem mm -hmm. is more liver and kidneys um, according to the um, the scans that they've done and also some irregular blood work that's showing um, some slightly concerning higher levels of bits and pieces in my blood that would indicate more likelihood of uh, strokes um, those types of things, but we don't need to go into that at the moment because, generally speaking, health wise, I'm feeling better. I'm not brilliant mentally, I'm very low, um, but I think that's because of other general life stuff going on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, 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 fair enough. Yeah, I, I really haven't heard much actually about the Delta for my own mental health. I've been avoiding the news, so. Um, so I don't, yeah. I don't know much about the Delta variant and what's going on with it in the UK or the, U, the United States, for that matter. Okay, so um, I will give you a quick summary. Um, okay. We're at a situation in the UK where there have been four main variants. Um, 
that have started since sort of November, December of last year. Um, the variants began really with what the British would call the Kent variant, which is a southern eastern part of England. Um, so we'll call that England variant. That's now known as Alpha. And then we had the Beta, Gamma, and now we're on Delta. The Beta and Gamma came from South Africa and Brazil. And because they came from South Africa and Brazil and the United Kingdom, the first three, um, many people pointed to the fact that those three territories, those three countries, those three areas were also the places where the vaccines were being tested in their second and third trials. Most specifically, the AstraZeneca vaccine was tested in the UK, South Africa and Brazil. And whether it be coincidence or not at that stage, that's also where the variants came from. So just in a quick scientific oversight, there is um, scientific discussion and research which shows that a virus can only mutate, obviously, when it's within a host. And if somebody is vaccinated whilst they are holding the virus, whilst they are infected, although they may be completely asymptomatic, when you vaccinate somebody and you give them nice spike protein and mRNA or adenovirus, vector virus, whatever type of vaccine it might be, um, that presents quite a good uh, breeding ground for mutation. And nobody seems to be testing any populations worldwide before vaccination. It seems to be the case that people are being vaccinated based on their age and maybe an underlying illness, but nobody has taken into account whether or not people are already holding the virus or whether they had the virus previously. So nobody even cares. And one of my personal worries is that people, particularly who've already had COVID, already have a substantial level of natural immunity. And it's come out within the last week from Washington University. I just like to source that so people can look at it. Published in Nature magazine, a thorough investigation of the level of natural immunity that people have if they have already had a COVID infection, regardless of whether it be from a variant or from the original. It's a fascinating study, but the bottom line is it showed very clearly that there is a much higher level of natural immunity that people have that have been infected with COVID that not only lasts longer than vaccine-induced immunity, but also has a twice um, more efficient, efficacious way of protecting somebody simply because in addition to the antibodies that are produced, we also have the T and B cell long-term memory immunity, which creates cells which the body originally will keep within the lymph nodes. And at a later stage, the cells that have this long-term memory that will recognize if a COVID virus comes floating back again, those cells are stored in the bone marrow of that person. And just like when you were a kid, and maybe you had measles or mumps or whatever, your body has the ability to have a memory through its T and B cells 
that they can wake up these cells that have been stored deliberately by the body in the lymph nodes or in the bone um, marrow and get them active again so they get up and get their armies ready and go off and fight. And this amazing publication in Nature, the University of Washington publication, is definitely worth a read because it explains it in great detail how it happens. Almost at the same time, we've had scientific reports coming from various peer-reviewed papers that show the likely longevity of vaccine-induced immunity is six months. So we look back to people that were vaccinated back in January or February who may already be coming to a point where they have little, if no, immunity from their antibodies that were induced by their original vaccinations. This may be the cause of why the UK, England particularly, has been reporting numbers between 30 and 50% of hospitalizations of people that have been twice vaccinated, fully vaccinated with two jabs. So this is obviously concerning not just in the fact that the Delta variant is moving very rapidly and is said to spread within 15 seconds rather than 15 minutes of two individuals being close together. So 15 seconds it takes for the virus in a droplet, in a sneeze, in a cough, in a spoken word to move and infect somebody but also the fact that the people that have been vaccinated are already starting to potentially lose their immunity and the vaccines have not yet been tweaked and brought up to date to have the level of efficacious uh, protection that they did have six months ago. So the levels we're looking at with Pfizer, AstraZeneca, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, the efficacy levels are falling closer to 60, even 50% against the Delta variant. And the headline today, which is why I wanted to do the show, is that in most English regions, the Delta variant, and I'm reading this, has increased 95% in the last 24 hours. It's disturbing. So guys, if you're listening, um, I, I'm in a really difficult position because there are very low mortality rates. The hospitalization rate is growing very rapidly, but is still, relatively speaking, quite low. The United Kingdom, England is opening up to a what is called a Freedom Day, where there will be no mandation of masks, no mandation of social distancing. Everything opens, all indoor nightclubs, bars, everything are all opening up. And we have a huge surge in infections. Is this correct? Or is it Freedom Day? What do you think? Now, why would they do that? Why would they open everything up when this is this is high risk? I don't understand. Good question. But obviously, the first thing is the economics of it. 
to get businesses moving, to get the country restored in terms of getting money into shops, getting people back into jobs. There are many people that have been relying on a furlough, a payment from the government because the employers have not been able to pay them. So there are many areas of society, particularly events, hospitality, um, all the sort of nightclubs, entertainment venues that have been shut now for you know almost 18 months. A lot of them have gone out of business and the more that it's delayed, the argument is the more people will go out of uh, work, higher the unemployment, huge travesty in terms of businesses, particularly smaller businesses being destroyed. So it's mainly an economic argument. What do you think, Maya? Mm. Yeah, that's that's it's pretty pretty dangerous, but it sounds pretty accurate. Yeah, that's that's what we have here in the states. We haven't really heard too much about the Delta variant. You know, uh, there's uh, I hear more about. I mean, I tune into the uh, the doc. I actually he's a nurse, right, Doctor John Campbell, to find out what's going on in the UK. But it's yeah, really confusing. Great. He's really good. But you know, there's also a Dr. Bean, who is a really entertaining um, Indian doctor. Um, I think he's British, but he's got an Indian accent. Um, he's funny, he's brilliant. He draws little diagrams of cells and makes them have little eyes and mouths and makes it interesting. But mm -hmm. he is broadcasting daily about this sort of thing, as is um, Dr. Chapman. And the more that they come out with statistics, the more it is supporting the fact that this is not the right time to be opening up regardless of any unemployment or any money or commercial reason. When you have a variant that is growing at 90% and you have a population that even those that have been vaccinated and think they might have protection, have not only been vaccinated against a different type of the virus that isn't so efficacious against this variant, but also they're coming to the end of the six month period where the antibodies are not going to potentially be so strong to protect them. Do you think, what do you think? I think it's madness. I think it's madness on the basis particularly of the long COVID syndrome. Because whilst we're not seeing a high mortality and we are not seeing huge amounts of people going into hospital and huge amounts of people dying, thank goodness, yet, I think the danger is that you only need a very mild infection, even a completely asymptomatic infection, to get long COVID. And obviously I speak from you know my own experience, but the numbers of long COVID reported in the UK and through various scientific journals are up beyond two million. People who are in wheelchairs, who are blind, children in particular are becoming an increasingly large and worrying side of long COVID. Children, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, who are now having to stay at home because they're struggling with joint problems, they're struggling with severe pain, heads, head pain, back pain, leg pain. The more that long COVID is allowed to infiltrate the population, we have a hugely high risk of having a population that is maimed and unable to go into work, regardless of if all the businesses and the economy is saved. Now, guys that are listening, would love to know.
Don't embarrass, come forward with questions. Love to know what your questions are, or just to fire a question. But firstly, I want to go to Maya because I'd like a little bit of an understanding from your point of view. And I know you're only in maybe one stage where you could report on what is it like living in the US and how much attention is being paid to masks and COVID protection? Well, right now, it is quite a confusing time. It, it really is the honor system. You know, when you go into a store, I, I wear my mask because I'm immunocompromised, but I find it very odd and suspicious that all the stores, you have people who are not wearing a mask, people wearing a mask. It's almost like it's 50-50 right now, but more so leaning towards people not wearing a mask. You know, so it's it's very strange in a pandemic that we're going on the honor system here. And not that I want passports, uh, but it's very strange. You know, you, you, people can just say they, they got the vax, they got the jab and they can go in and they don't have to wear a mask. Um, it, it's just very odd to go on the honor system in a, in a pandemic. Um, in terms of wearing masks, are you saying that they're already free, they're already not mandatory, that you only wear them if you want to wear them? Well, in some stores, uh, it really has loosened up here quite immensely. It, it, it's loosened up here. So in stores... Is that just generally or due to a change in uh, a legal process was uh, so which yeah you live in mm -hmm. for anyone that's listening? Massachusetts, uh, Massachusetts. New okay. England yeah I live in New England and so with the stores that I go into and I go into stores just to primarily get the basic needs the signs all say the same wear a mask unless you are vaccinated if you aren't you know, if you are vaccinated, you do not have to wear a mask, but they don't check for anything or, you know, it's, it's, they don't check for any kind of paperwork or anything like that. Do you feel in Massachusetts generally that there is a majority of people who are happy to be vaccinated? What is the um, reaction to vaccines generally? Do you have any idea what the take up is in your area? Well, I'm in a, a blue state, so it's it's not quite like Texas. It's not quite like a Republican state where it's very conservative. Uh, and here, so in Massachusetts, we're pretty liberal, uh, progressive, the majority. And uh, you know, people, a lot of people, had no issue getting vaccinated. Of course, you have the people that are vaccine hesitant and also people that have like myself that are immunocompromised and are, are pretty much afraid of the effects that this vaccine will have on them and that's why I listen to anything that is you know vaccine uh, that is talking about the Johnson and Johnson and mRNA I like to listen to uh, I, I'd like to listen to Dr. Robert Malone himself. I, don't, I know you're familiar with him. He was the creator of the mRNA. 
you know, but everything put out, I mean, he just put out not too, not too long ago that he doesn't think adults, but this is not pertaining to the Delta variant. This was pertaining to that he doesn't think that people, that children should be getting vaccinated with the mRNA, um, especially if they've had COVID. And also, especially when there's ivermectin out there and a drug called Luvac. Um, that vol- yeah, with so Luvac. these are prophylactic drugs and there have been so many drugs that have proven to be very effective um, at an earlier stage, particularly effective. Um, we won't go into that now because that is a huge, great big case, but I'm glad you mentioned it because what it does bring up is the fact that the vaccines themselves, um, whether you believe they're safe or not safe or good for you or not good for you, regardless of that, they're not suitable for people under the age of 12. And the people that are mostly going to be exposed in England next week are all the kiddies that go back to school with no masks, no social distancing, no vaccine, no protection, no prophylactic protection, no medication at all. If that was one of your children, Maya, how would you feel? Scared for them, frightened for them. I'd definitely be into homeschooling my child. So you Very wouldn't let your child go back into a normal school? No, I wouldn't. I, I just don't think it's safe yet, especially with the Delta variant coming out. And, you know, there's a lot of, in the States, of, of not uh, trusting the government. So I think that's murky. That's getting the, the water murkier and murkier, where people don't trust their own government. I don't know. I don't think that's as prevalent in, in the United Kingdom that I've seen, that I've heard. Yeah, it's more on a personal level. I mean, you know, me personally, um, I don't trust any government, I don't think, at the moment. It's quite sad, but I think over the last 18 months, my level of trust generally in any authority has pretty much gone down the path. (laughs) I'm very, very sceptical. As you know, I'm a bit of a nerd. I like to turn to evidence-based stuff to find out what's going on. But there's only so much evidence-based stuff you can get. And unless mm-hmm. you're a complete scientific nerd and you can read every paper that comes out of every Pfizer press release and every part of Nature and Lancet, it's an absolute mystery. And my biggest, my biggest worry is people can't be as well informed as they need to be to make a decision. And meanwhile, everything is being so heavily censored that even, I mean, YouTube yesterday took down videos from Dr. Bean and other doctors just because they mentioned ivermectin. And mm. in that sort of censorship, how the hell are we supposed to make a rational decision when we don't get both sides of the argument? Let's have a listen okay. and see what people think. <laughs> Sounds good. Can I ask a question or do I, can I come on the pod? And ask my question, and then we'll go off. Sure. Um... With regards to children going to school, I have two children school age. I've got a 10-year-old and a 13-year-old, and I'm totally happy for them to go to school with the Delta variant around. The school holidays are up anyway for six weeks anyway, but that's by the by. I'm happy because the flu is just as likely to be as deadly with children. I work in a hospital, I've seen children, with flu and what it does the same as COVID it's got about the same mortality rate roughly and post-viral fatigue is a thing that happens with flu as well with children 
Um, so I'm, I'm happy for them to go to school. That's, that's my shot. Maybe I'll eat humble pie if one of them gets long COVID. I don't know, you never know, but, but I've seen children get sepsis from, you know, from tiny infections and things like that. It's, it's a lottery, getting ill is in general. But yeah, I'm happy with that. Um, but I'm not happy with them to get a vaccine either because of um, the side effects. Okay, interesting point from Shameful and JP. Thank you for that. Let's address Shameful first. Um, shameful, interesting comments. Um, I personally agree with your reticence about giving children vaccines, particularly because they've never been tested on children, which would seem ridiculous. You wouldn't even give a flu vaccine to a child if it hadn't been tested on children. Um, going back to long COVID, shameful, I'd like you to go to longcovidkids.org. That's the website, longcovidkids.org. And that is part of a bigger organization, the Long COVID Support Network, of which I'm part. Um, I would like you to see that because sadly, it's not at all like um, a post-viral flu malaise, Long COVID is nothing like that. There are also two or three other respiratory illnesses that come in children as a result of contracting COVID. Um, you may have heard the Kawasaki disease and uh, there are others with equally complicated or unusual names. You can find it on that website that I've quoted. Um, I will say that, I mean, I have a friend locally. She's got long COVID. Um, she's in her thirties. She's a single mom with two boys. Um, they're actually twins, 10 years old. Both of them have been unable to walk for several months. They've suffered from sort of neurological fitting, shaking, um, terrorizing uh, head pain that's made them have problems with their eyesight. Um, they're not unusual. There are, I think, 9,000 kids with a severe form of long COVID. And more to the point, just like me as an adult with long COVID, we still don't know how to cure it. We have parents with children who are severely ill and nobody knows why or how to cure it. And I would really say, please, please go to that website and look it up because we are not talking about a normal post-flu or post-viral malaise. This is something very different. In particular, please realize that unlike flu, SARS-CoV-2 crosses the brain-blood barrier. And there is a gentleman who might be coming onto the show a little bit later, who has been diagnosed with brain tissue damage and illness as a result of COVID, just has some of these children. It is not something that is even able to be operated on. I really would urge you to consider that as a parent. I would really appreciate it if you'd go and look at that. Okay. Um, JP, I think we will invite you to join because I know you're very eloquent and very keen to come and make our discussion more fulfilled. JP, welcome to the stage. Hi, JP. Hey there, girls. Right. I'm going to start from the beginning, and it's going to be a bit of a long-winded one, but just hear me out. Last year, right about <clears throat> smoker's cough, I do apologise, it's not COVID, you won't catch it from me. Last year, last February, I booked my holiday for my, my annual visit back up to good old Scotland. You can't tell by my accent, but you can tell that. 
On the 26th of February last year, I came down with a very, very, very coarse cough. I was coughing constantly, constantly for the whole day. And then I was coughing in my sleep, I was coughing in my bed, I was coughing on my bed, I didn't go out my house, I didn't dare go out anywhere near my son because my son lives near me, but that's not the thing. The next game day after my co- my coughing incident, it's gone, it's totally gone. No side effects, no repercussions, nothing, nada, nothing, nada, nada, nada. And then on the 28th, I set out on where I live, I got the train from Cardiff up to Edinburgh. As soon as I got off the train, the first step I did, as soon as I arrived on platform at nine three quarters in Edinburgh Waverley, boom, I came down with man flu. So I self-isolated for 14 days and 14 nights in my mate's spare bedroom. I didn't go out uh, to meet my friends, but if I did go out and meet my friends, I kept two metres apart. The thing is this, I don't know, I've not been, I've, I've had both my injections for COVID, both of them, both the first one and the second one. I'm now waiting to see if the British government is going to introduce this booster, which my son's mum says doesn't exist, it's all in my head. But at the same time as is, I've not been tested for COVID because I've not had any of the symptoms of COVID because I've looked on the NHS uh, after our surgery website, I've looked on the COVID websites and I have had none of the symptoms which they say on their website. Now the thing is, is I want to know, was this coughing non-stop for 24 hours non-stop a sign of early COVID or was it just a smoker's cough or was it just a very raspy cough or was it just a summer cough because I don't summer I don't suffer from hay fever, never have, never will. I look after myself, and also at the same time I says when I do go out, I sanitize my hands every time I go to the supermarket. I always wear a mask. I always sanitize my hands when I come out of the supermarket. I always wear a mask everywhere I go, even when I meet my friends. Even though we are like not so much rubbing shoulders, but we are two meters apart, and my friends they don't wear their masks, but I still wear my mask. Have I been carrying? the sleeper cells of COVID, or is it just like, just a dry uh, cough pad? Did you say this was February this year or last year? Last year. I had, just in the early stages of COVID, I had a very dry cough for about 24 hours. Okay, so last year, the definitive way of knowing whether you had COVID or whether you had something else was the neurological divinity, which was, did you lose your taste or smell? No. Okay. So on that basis, and we know it was prior to being able to have good testing or any testing that was resilient, the answer to your question then is no, you did not have COVID because you did not lose your taste or smell. The reason I ask though, is because the variants have shown slightly different symptoms. And the Delta variant that we currently have, which is 99% of all cases in the United Kingdom, does not have the same symptoms as what you would have had with COVID this time last year. The Delta variant symptoms are much more mild. They're also more like a summer cold. They're more about sneezing, about um, having nasal sinusitis, being blocked up or having a runny nose, having maybe runny eyes and not having a prominent loss of taste or smell. I've had none of that. So I would say, I'm not a doctor, but based on the guidance we were given, and based on when you had it, and based on the fact that you haven't described to me any long-term after effects, you probably did not have COVID. Thank you. 
thank you very much for that monitoring. And how are you doing anyway, my dear? You doing well? <laughs> I'm trying. I am. I'm finding, like Maya said, uh, Maya suffers as well. That sometimes when you allow yourself to be immersed in a world where you're discussing COVID and you're talking mm. to other people that are suffering. Um, mm. That can be very difficult stress-wise and can bring me down mentally. Um, but unfortunately, it's one of the things that I feel I can do that is useful because obviously a lot of the physical things that I want to do, I can't do. Um, but helping other people who are suffering or helping people who've got questions or helping people who don't know whether to get vaccinated or not or explaining to people how the vaccines work, all of that I can do. And I feel good being able to do yeah. something that is useful. Yeah, because I do shopping trips for uh, small shopping trips for my son and his mum. Uh, we're not together as a couple anymore. I've moved on, so she. But I do the odd occasional shopping trip for my son or his mum, or his grandparents, or anyone who can't get access to the shops. I do it out of the kindness of my heart. And if you know me, Bonapenny, I've always been a big caregiver. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Can yeah. I ask you? Because this is great that you've come and joined us. Because yeah, sure. for those that don't know. In the United Kingdom, we now are having our um, regional countries, Scotland, England, Wales and Northern Ireland, have their own jurisdiction over the COVID regulations and how our various governments decide to put down different levels of restrictions. Can you describe to me at the moment, what is the level of restriction in Scotland um, and what, if any, Freedom Day or Opening Up Day has been declared for Scotland? Well, I wouldn't know about that, Miss Bonapenny, because I've not lived in Scotland for 20 years, because I'm in South Wales. Uh, <laughs> well, there we go. What a good answer. OK, let's go to our Welsh correspondent. Tell us what's happening in Wales. To tell you the truth, Hen, I really did it here, because I'm not in South Wales. I'm actually in Scotland. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. Come on, JP. Right, OK. I, I keep in touch with my friends and family up in Scotland, so I can speak on both sides. I know that our so-called space cadet, uh, Captain Fraggle, aka Boris, the beloved, he's not my beloved, he is trying to push everything for March, uh, March, uh, July the 19th, mask off day. I think that is a no-no for two reasons. One, COVID will spread twice fold. And secondly, if, if he does the 19, that means that Wales will be around about 21st, 22nd, 23rd, Scotland will be 24th, 25th, possibly 26th, and then Northern Ireland will be at the end of the month. Because the thing is, is Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland are like three to four, maybe even five days behind England. So when England sets a benchmark, say, the 19th of July, It'd be masks off like 23rd, 24th in Wales, and then 25th, 26th in Scotland, and the 29th, 30th over in Ireland, if it makes sense. But the thing is, is one thing I have been following is we've had a lot of air traffic here in South Wales, because I'm in South Wales, and we've had a lot of these air buses flying back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And we've got an army base not so far from where I live, and the army airport are sort of like uh, getting munchies at the local Greg store not so long ago. And I actually pulled them up and said, what's with the airbuses in there? And the two RAF guys just looked at me and went, are you a civilian? I went, yeah, and he goes, can't divulge that. You're gonna have to write to the Ministry of Defence for that. And I said, I tried emailing them. And they said, well, did you get a reply? And I went, no, because my email bounced. 
And they said, what channels did you use? And I went, well, I'm ex-military. And I used my contact, who still works at Ministry of Defence, and it bounced. Usually, I get an answer within about 24 to 48 hours. This time, it bounced. And then the, RF, the other RF guy looks at me and goes, you're not going through the right stations, mate. But I've been told from one of my sources that in the early days of COVID, when it came out in the in the England, there was no room in the morgues of that in England. So what they were doing is they were ferrying the dead to Wales, Northern Ireland, and Southern Scotland, just so they could actually use their morgues as storage and makeshift morgues have been assembled up and around uh, the south of Wales. And these morgues have now been taken down because they've disposed of the bodies, be it incinerated or cremated, I do not know. But the thing is, is the English government was using Wales, Scotland and Northern Ireland as storage for their deceased. So there you go. Okay, that's interesting. Um, I did a show last night where um, somebody commented about the contract that can openly view on the UK government site that ask um, contractors, companies to come forward to take on different roles. One of them was a company that was required to come in and dispose of bodies uh, for a five-year contract. And obviously that raised some concerns as to why they were looking for that. But the, the thing that that doesn't, that doesn't tally up with is that the death rate currently is incredibly low. In fact, the death rate yesterday that was reported in England was 7% below the average death rate in 2018 and 19. So there oh, are one. no excess deaths. There is actually yeah. less deaths. Than expected, yeah, no. And one thing that I, I actually found out not so long ago, did you know that Boris Johnson has ordered the Scottish NHS to hand over all documentation related to COVID since day one for his scrutinisation. Did you know that? Yes, because I'm following the ex-policeman, Mark Sexton, who has challenged the British government to come forward and explain why the adverse events reported through the yellow card system are showing very high death rates reported and very high adverse event rates reported and why the freedom of information requests that are regularly made are not being fulfilled and are being avoided. So there seems to be a reason somewhere that we are not being made aware of why we are not being told the truth. And it all seems incredibly strange. Well, the thing is, is, it's not just Britain who's hiding the truth, it's everywhere. America's doing it, Britain's doing it, Europe's doing it, Africa's doing it, Australia's doing it. And I've been following this COVID since day one. And I have to say, each country is just lying every single time. And one country which did interest me, which really picked up my ears until recently, was Israel. They kept very quiet throughout this whole pandemic until recently when they started introducing so-called, well, we've had X amount of victims and X amount of deceased. And then Palestine joined the ship as well. The thing is, is, and I was like going, is everywhere affected by this COVID? Is everywhere? The Antarctic? Arctic? And then there was talk about animals were infected with it, but it was shrugged off as animal yeah. flu. 
It's very strange, and I agree, it is totally worldwide. I've had many conversations with people, you know, who are very, very switched on, clever, intelligent people who are really saying, well, where are all these deaths that we are being told about? I've just pulled up the statistics from Israel. So in Israel, there have been 846,000 cases of COVID. There have been 836,000 cases that have been recovered. And the deaths, the whole total deaths in Israel, 6,438. Someone's cooking the book somewhere about the, the bush, especially in the UK. Because the thing is, is Hancock is gone, God bless him soul. Cummings is gone, God bless his soul. Another MP stepped down because he ha- he's uh, no longer married to the woman he once loved. When's Boris going to stand down? Because as soon as he stands down, I'm going to be jumping up and down with joy. Because this guy has just done nothing but lie through his donkey since day one. Wash uh, your yeah. sa- hands and see. I've just pulled up uh, today, uh, 1.44pm, today in the Financial Times story. Israel will begin offering third doses of the biotech Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine this week to adults with serious pre-existing medical conditions, becoming the first country in the world to officially offer a so-called booster of the company's jab. Why are they offering boosters when they already have something like 90% of the Israeli population vaccinated and a death rate that is so minimal it is below the death rate they had years ago? Where is the justification to be giving more people more vaccines? It makes no (laughs) sense at all. The thing, the thing, the thing is, mm. sorry, for the thing is, is every, everyone's pointing the finger at China, and China's pointing the finger at everyone in Italy because China is getting pushed more and more into the corner. And I've got a funny feeling, but at the end of all this, China will lash out, but it'll be too late because the thing is, is if we, as uh, the West, do sanctions on China, they're just going to laugh it off because they, they they're ready for this. They've been ready for this since whatever. But the thing is, is this pandemic, it's always going to be, as I was saying to my son last night during tea, I said, this pandemic is here to stay. We're all going to be wearing masks. We're all going to be wearing uh, so-called, being forced to carry paperwork on us to say who's exempt and who's not. And when I told him when I was getting my jabs, he just looked at me in shock horror because when I went for my first jab here in South Wales, it felt like I was at a train station in Warton, Germany during World War II. It was chocker. And I mean, chocker. No one was two metres apart. Everyone was all huddled up like sardines. There was no... We all wore masks, which was a good thing. But the thing was is we were all rubbing shoulders. That's how tightly packed it was. And when I got up to the front door, uh, this girl at the desk, she asked me 20 questions. I gave her 20 answers. Right? She says, right, you can go in. As soon as I go in, I saw two security guards, one on left, one on right, standing there like sentinels. And I looked at them both and went, give you guys a khaki outfit each and you'll be the Hitler Youth. They didn't say anything, they just looked at me, didn't say anything, didn't even blink. I then went uh, to the reception desk, they asked me another 20 <laughs> questions, which I asked. I bet you were popular. <laughs> I, oh yeah, I was popular. It's my, it's my Irish whip, which gets me in and out of trouble, that's what I'm sorry. And then I was uh, shown to a seat, and then this little Welsh nurse came up to me. She asked me another five questions and she says, right, do you want your left arm or your right arm jab? I said, oh, I would want my left arm jab. And she goes, why not your right? Because everyone goes for the right. And I says, 
because when Boris Johnson comes to Wales, I want to do the, the salute, you know? And she just creased herself with laughter. Creased herself with laughter. So right. she tried jumping. JP, she tried jumping. That's just, just fascinating and entertaining. Can we stick to the subject? Let's just go back to Maya because I know she wanted to come in and then we've got a couple of messages yeah. I'd like to go to. Yeah, I just have a. So here's my quick question, Miss Moneypenny, to you. What do you think the solution is right now? And we'll just start over where in the United Kingdom. What do you, what do you think should be happening? that's not happening I think there should be complete freedom of access to information and thorough explanation of all the statistics that we are being made aware of but more importantly all the statistics that are being hidden and we are not being made aware of because we are encouraging a whole society of fear mistrust and resentment and until we are able to get access to some information that makes sense and the questions that we're not even allowed to ask because we're censored for even asking them, we cannot have a society that is running along a normal path to everybody having health, wealth and happiness. It's just not possible. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I know you, <clears throat> you've heard me out here, you know, last year, I, I was out here, I've been out here over eight months now and I was kind of shocked when I was called a conspiracy theorist because I was, yeah, I had done my research being an immunocompromised person and looking for reasons to take these vaccines. But all I came up with, uh, and I was looking through DuckDuckGo and peer reviewed. I had a friend, you know, she's a nurse, as you know, I, I brought her up in another discussion that you had and she refused to give people the jab and she lost her job because she refused and uh, but i think the censorship is very it's happening for a reason and i think it's very deliberate it's very deliberate and uh, the censorship here it's happening as well i mean again with dr robert malone who created the mrna he's been sounding the alarm bells regarding all the risks and that are associated with uh, the mRNAs and they have censored him. So YouTube has censored him and Google has censored him. And I, I just want to say, lastly, I know we want to get to these bubbles, but the Dark Horse podcast is can be found on DuckDuckGo and all you have to do is plug in Dark Horse podcast and Dr. Robert Malone and you will it'll bring him up a great discussion on why he believes they they have been suppressing ivermectin and how powerful it is against COVID 19 early COVID 19. he brings up why this is happening and why the censorship is happening and i think it's it really is a great discussion he's on there with another he's on there with a I agree, but this biologist. is what we shouldn't have to go to DuckDuckGo. We shouldn't have to go to platforms like that. We should be having free, open discussion. And it seems to me that we are only going to build up more um, uh, theories that are potentially ridiculous if we're not allowed to discuss the theories that sound quite plausible. Okay, let's go to these okay. bubbles. So we've got the point Docker. Money Penny is discussing on there being less deaths throughout the United Kingdom. Exactly the same thing I've been hearing throughout news services here in my country in Australia. 
there has been less deaths in the last year or a bit over a year since as long as this COVID pandemic thing has been going on. I've been scratching my head asking the exact same questions. Wow, so it is worldwide. He carries on. Let's the, the books have been cooked worldwide by every government because governments love lockdowns. It's about control of people. They love it. Mick, thank you so much. We're getting a really good international perspective here. Australia as well. And Australia, New Zealand, you know, some of the countries that we were applauding this time last year for having been so brilliantly resilient. And that is a fantastic perspective that we've now heard that even people within Australia, and let's face it, as far as I know, you can't even go to Australia unless you're already in Australia and are Australian. Um, it's that tight. And even in Australia, where I think the number of cases and deaths, well, the number of deaths, particularly as we know, is incredibly low. Why? Why are we enforcing a global panic? And it might be described as a pandemic in terms of a virus that we are told is spreading on killing lots of people. But let's have the statistics. Let's have the discussion. Let's have people come forward from each of those countries and say to us, are we just being told to wear masks to make us feel more scared? Are we being told to wear masks to make us feel we're in more of a pandemic? Are we being told to go and get vaccinated with whatever it is that is in the vaccine, whether it be saline, trackers, nanobites, whatever it might be? Are we being told to get these for a valid health reason? And if so, why don't you open the books and tell us really why the VAERS databases, the yellow book databases, the databases globally that are showing so many people getting ill as a result of taking vaccines, why can't we openly discuss it? And why is everything censored by social media that doesn't even allow conversations to take place? You know, the conversations are taking place. I, I think just my opinion, it's greed and it's that Pfizer and these vaccine, these uh, companies want their stock to rise, right? It's greed, you know? And I think in Congress, our Congress here in the United States, they're in the back pocket of Big big Farm. So Big Farm runs the show. And since Big Farm can't be sued or can't be held accountable, what do they have to lose except for telling people, getting out the narrative that take it, take it, take it, no matter what, take it, even if, even if uh, a situation like Australia, even if that's happening, take it anyway. You know, I was listening to, sometimes, you know, I'll go to YouTube and the mainstream media here, this is how people are getting out and speaking up. And this is the sad thing about where censorship has that where how devastating it's been censorship is uh and edward snowden rang that bell years and years ago and people weren't too worried right because they said well i really don't have anything to hide so who cares so but you know little do they know i mean with all this information your, your medical records can be weaponized by the government but the way people are doing the way they're getting out their opinion is it's the saddest way and I see it happening more and more and more where you'll go to YouTube and they'll be talking about 
thing. You'll have some talking heads, right? You'll have a anchor that they have a narrative that they're pushing because they have a lot of big farm that are sponsoring them in these commercials. They're getting a lot of money from these commercials from big pharma. And so people, when it comes to NBC and ABC and CBS, so when they leave these little clips of these two anchor heads with the stock market, with, with Pfizer's stock rising in the background, that's actually what I saw the other day. There was 4,900 comments, and this is very, very uh, popular. This is, this is how people are getting out their opinion. And it was, all, it was about 4,900 of negative comments regarding how, you know, regarding, yeah, I'll, I'll take it as, as they, you know, these people have no souls and these, these women are sociopaths talking about this. And as they, here they are, they have the Pfizer stock background rising in the back, uh, in the foreground. And it was just, you know, this is how they're getting out their opinion in the comments. It's, it's very sad. I mean, I didn't see that last year, but now they're now it's uh, becoming more and more prevalent. All negative comments too about the Pfizer, about these vaccines, and about you know they'll you know they're making fun of the the Delta variant. Soon it'll be Delta, Beta, Gamma, all these variants. It'll be so people are very distrustful, and the censorship is purposely done. And it, alongside it about- all this censorship, and thank you for all that, Maya. We've got positive. Um, on the record, scientific reports coming out more frequently admitting that there are certain risks, like Johnson & Johnson yesterday came out with a statement saying the Guillain-Barr syndrome, which is a severe neurological syndrome, has come out from Johnson & Johnson adverse effects. Not so long ago, we were told on the record that myocarditis is being seen more frequently, particularly in men, from the AstraZeneca and Pfizer vaccines and every single week it seems to be that public uh, opinion gets so strong about the fact that certain illnesses and adverse events are hidden that slowly we are being told one by one that these adverse events are totally correct and yes we should be wary and like the CDC one day decided to say children can't be vaccinated and then took the information off their site. The next day said pregnant women couldn't be vaccinated. The next day took the information off their website. This is leading to a whole climate of fear and mistrust. And we simply cannot risk a society being driven by such levels of fear and inaccuracy. And to me, this is the most worrying aspect in addition to whatever health aspects because the death figures, from what I've seen, are certainly not standing up to what we would call a pandemic. Well, for the most part, the CDC is not trusted in the States. And neither is the World Health Organization, which sounds incongruous because it's called the World Health Organization. But you're absolutely right. I don't think there are any body, any organizations, or even any independent resources that anybody would categorically say are trustworthy because those organizations, those media outlets, social media outlets, audio social media outlets like the one we're on are still censoring wherever they can to stop people talking about the information that we actually need to know the honest truth about. And why do you think that's happening? 
because I think there is a bigger picture somewhere. And I have to say that is a personal opinion of mine because I know I will be censored and stop talking if I say anything differently. Such a shame, such a shame. JP, what do you think? What's the big picture? What's the big picture? Did you get the picture I sent you a while back on Instagram? <laughs> no, I'm too busy organizing this show. Right, it's on your Instagram. I sent you a picture a while back. It should be still in your message box. The thing is, is I think this now. This is my own theory because I'm a big conspiracy buff believer, and I've told everyone my own my own conspiracy on how it came around. But that's for a different story. I think what's happened is is people have all put the name of their country and their leader into a goldfish bowl, switched it around. And whoever gets pulled out of it is the one who gets the uh, the COVID or the Delta variant or whatever the flavour of the week is. Now the thing is, is the governments have got a lot of explaining to do. But the thing is, is the more people pressure the government, the more the government's going to back off into a corner, like with China, and they will lash out. Like everyone was waiting for America to go to war against China. And then there was talk that America was going to have a second civil war. And then there was talk that brother was going to fight brother, sister was going to fight sister. Then that was called off. And then you had the ill fateful speech Donald Trump gave before the assault on Capitol Hill when he addressed it, everyone saying, "Do not come to Capitol Hill." Like I'm a professional profiler, and I read his lips and I read his hand language, and he was actually saying something a lot different that day. He was saying. Come to Capitol Hill. We're going to have a party. We're going to have a street party. We're going to have a party, but it's going to make America look like Watergate. It's going to make the the Watergate scandal look like a walk in the park. The thing is, is all these governments around the world, be it India, be it France, be it Germany, be it Spain, be it Scotland, be it whatever, if all the governments know who is responsible for it, but they will not say the truth because if they say the truth. All the citizens in that country are going to storm the Bastille. They're going to storm the, and cause a huge big uproar. They're going to knock things out. They're going to knock Boris Johnson out Downing Street, which I think is a good thing. They're going to knock Nicholas Sturgeon out of, uh, out of her position of being first minister. And the people are going to hold the country for ransom because they want the truth. The thing is, is we'll never will get the truth because the truth is so tightly secure in the minds and the mind of the greedy and the wealthy, and they're the ones who know who is responsible. But the thing is, is we never will find out. I won't find out in my lifetime. My son might not find out in his lifetime because he's only ten. He'll be eleven next year. The thing is, is we will never find the true answers on who or what, when or why. Was it to line someone's greed? Quite possibly, was it was it a country sort of like fighting back so it'd been pushed to the corner? Most definitely. Why do you the think we will never find out the answers? Because of data protection, my dear. Data protection is such a lovely free little word. Data protection act. Data protection can be withholding evidence, withholding truths, withholding lies, conspiracies, everything. The thing is, is the data protection is out there, but the thing is, is. People are shit scared. But my French ladies, people are that scared that they want answers. They want to know why their loved ones have died. They want to know why they're carrying this vaccine. Why they're carrying 
two doses of Johnson and Johnson or uh, whatever the vaccine is. The thing is, is some people say they've got nano machines in them. That's a conspiracy for players. Do I think we've got nano machines in us? I don't care as long as I get to see my sin live before I die of natural causes. The thing is, is I don't always go by the rules. I've broke, I've broke quite a few rules in my time. I've mended them, and I've melted them, and I've made them my own. But at the same time as is, I just want answers to questions I want to know, and one of them is. Absolutely, is but I think everybody does want answers. Um, it's very difficult. I'm going to have to contain the show a little bit because I don't want it to go on too long, and we are slightly yes, at point. Um, so what I would like to do is just to give a quick summary at this stage. So we've heard from people in Australia, people in the United States, people across the United Kingdom, all saying that they believe there is a certain level, a greater level of untruth or censorship or information that is hidden and they feel there is some fear that is caused by it. Now we haven't had an answer to the question, look at the title of the program, a bit of um, a dig, let's say, quite rightly, at our Prime Minister, who to me has been buffooning around and not done a lot that I would ever be proud of, who said, let the bodies pile up. Next Monday, we are in a position where England and then shortly thereafter, the other parts of the United Kingdom will open up COVID restrictions, will take away any mandation to wear face masks, will allow people to mix indoors in tight communities with no social distancing and effectively return to normal. At the same time that we say this, today we have had news reports categorically saying, firstly, that the Delta variant is growing at an average percentage of 93% across most English regions. In Teesside and South Tyneside, we have over 2,050 new cases in the last seven days. And it is estimated that that means of every 100,000 people, 1,360 currently are carrying COVID. And that is only the people who have been tested. That is only the people that have symptoms. That is not necessarily the right number because clearly we know at least 30% of people in the past have been asymptomatic and that number is likely to be a lot higher than the Delta variant as we know the symptoms are milder. We also know that the amount of deaths that are being put on the record appear to show there is no excess deaths currently in the United Kingdom and from our Australian correspondent, we know there is also suspicion potentially in Australia, America, India, Israel, and other places globally that the death reports have been exaggerated and excess deaths are not at a level which substantiates pandemic. And therefore we are all left in a level of fear, a level of mistrust, and we have our government which is going to open up a virus which we are told is dangerous to everybody with no protection from next Monday. Is this the right thing to do in the knowledge that other countries are looking at the United Kingdom as a test bed for what they should be doing? As guinea pigs, are we doing the right thing? 
Maya, nope, what do nope. you think? I don't think that we're doing the right thing. And I think the censorship by the governments is an atrocity that is happening. And I think that alone in itself is a crime against humanity. When we can't, when we are not allowed to speak freely, when you have these apps censoring, they're pushing a certain narrative and that's the only narrative. Stereo is in decline right now because of this. They are in decline right now. They are, you know, the the bands that they've done and, you know, to me, that's very suspicious. That's not way to, to, that's not a way to run an app, but I would like to pose a question to you as a person who also is immunocompromised. What should people, because I don't think a lot of us are being heard. And I think the worry out there is, and I think you have this as well. I mean, I've done my research as much as I can. I mean, I have pretty bad brain fog, uh, but what should the, what should the immunocompromised individuals do? What would you suggest regarding these vaccines and regarding the future, regarding what all of this what do you think is the right thing to do? Because to me, it seems like damned if you do, damned if you don't, regarding the vaccines and regarding the information, all the propaganda that's out there. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I've never been called a conspiracy theorist. And I've, until I lost friends when I brought up the, the vaccines, I lost friends that were over 20 years, had been in my life for over 20 years. and. I questioned the vaccines last year and they called me a conspiracy theorist. And I, I've, in, in my whole entire life, I've never been called a conspiracy theorist. So, but what do you, so getting back to the question, what, what do you think the appropriate thing to do is, the appropriate answer? I know that for yourself, you're not going to be taking these vaccines uh, because you yourself, you are, you're a long hauler with a, a suppressed immune system so what what do you think what do you think is best for people that are immunocompromised right right now scratching their heads thinking okay do i stay in isolation forever okay good question my my honest thought about that is if you are under the age of 12 and if you were my child or a loved one or any child or any parent listening I would continue to make as much protection as possible of a child and encourage them where possible to observe social distancing, particularly in the knowledge that the Delta variant can spread with droplets, with a sneeze, a cough, a spoken word, a a singing lesson in 15 seconds. Your child could be infected and knowing that long COVID is affecting more and more children. The idea of allowing children to not just have the normal type of post-vaccine malaise, but sadly with this SARS-CoV-2, the post-vaccine long COVID disablement, lifetime damage potential to organs, to brains, to being able to live a normal life is so drastic that I would put every protection possible on anybody under the age of 12. Over the age of 12, 
it is your choice whether to be vaccinated. It is your choice, but you must weigh up the risks. There is a risk of catching a virus. There is a risk of being vaccinated. Do your homework as much as you are capable of. And that is where I think you're up against it because most of the two sides of the argument are not balanced in a gross censorship, which prevents that. But do your homework. And if you are vulnerable, if you have an autoimmune, if you have underlying illnesses, I personally would say stay indoors as much as possible, stay away from other people, continue to act and observe as you have done for the last 18 months and don't change the way you live until we have more answers because it's too much of a risk to take. Okay, JP, I agree. your summary, please. What do you I think of the actual question? Are the British right to open up their economy in the face of statistics coming out, coming out today, which show that there is a 93% increase in most English regions of the COVID Delta virus? Just to summarise it, basically the government is lining their pockets with our ill-forgetting gains there. They're getting greedier and greedier and greedier. And I said to someone the other day there on stereo, I said, this country, the rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poorer, and the ones who are poorer currently are getting richer, and the ones who are richer are getting poorer. Because the thing is, is Boris Johnson is doing fault after fault after fault after fault after fault after fault. I've been watching him. He's like an entertainer. He's, he's not as bad as DT. But the thing is, is he comes out smiling and joking and sort of like whiffing his hair. He thinks he's Captain Invincible. We're only human, Boris. Give us the answers. Give us the truth. Tell us exactly how many people have died and stop pushing us away. We want the truth. We write to the truth. Britain at one time was basically more open than America. America at this one time is very careful what it says because of scrutiny. Everyone in the, I've spoken to in America is very careful what they say because they don't want the CIA or the NSA banging on their doors. That's how scared they are. And that's people from like places like in New York, places like Arizona, places like California. The thing is, is Boris Johnson is doing the biggest mistake by doing masks off on the 19th of July. And as long as you've got you both jabs, you should be immune. Hogwash, Boris. Hogwash. Thank you, JP. Right. Guys, this has uh, come to the end of the programme. I'd like to thank Maya from the United States, JP from pretty much every part of Ireland, Scotland and Wales, and myself from England, although I have got a Scottish father. Thank you for listening very much. Um, Thank you for contributing. Thank you in particular to Mick Jogger and also to TAC Exists, our 30... Uh, Beck, Stacy, McFlash, Mrs. Madness, T-Gem, Shameful, you know who you are. Thank you for supporting us. This will be available on a podcast via Anchor and Spotify shortly after the program. Thank you to my guests. And please keep safe, guys. Look after each other. And don't support England in football because it's miserable. Bye-bye, guys. Bye-bye. Be safe. Be safe, everybody.